Today we're going to be going in depth into Orphonic, which is a service that has been an integral part of my podcast workflow since a listener named Thomas introduced me to it back in 2016. This episode may sound a bit different in places because in order to demonstrate Orphonic, I am not running the whole episode through Orphonic. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to show you the difference that it's making. I am endeavoring, however, to keep levels as constant as possible. To give you a first demonstration of one of the things that Orphonic can do, which is very simple, very effective noise reduction, I'm going to play you a little bit of the interview that I conducted with Georg Holzmann from Orphonic. This is unprocessed. First, let's have a listen to a little bit of the noise that is in Georg's audio. And here's how it affected the audio when he was speaking. Because I was a hardcore podcast listener and many podcast producers had problems to process the audio. And I thought this actually should be easy. Now we'll hear the entire interview with Georg run this time through Orphonic. There are many products and services now that try to make podcasting easier to do. And anything that makes creating a podcast less geeky is a wonderful thing. Anything that makes it easier to create a podcast with broadcast quality audio is a true marvel. If you were to ask me to name a single individual who has made the most significant contribution to making podcasts sound better, I would give you the name of my guest today. Gail Kolsman developed Orphonic in 2013. I guess the way that I would describe it is that using AI, it puts the power of a trained engineer at your disposal, and it does a lot more as well. Gail, it's a real pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for doing this. Wow, thanks a lot. That's a great introduction. Given all that Orphonic does... I take it that you've got some sort of audio engineering background, is that right? Yes, sure. So I started as an audio engineer and also uh, in, in the computer science and and machine learning uh, direction. So this is actually a special study on, on the university I was, I was here, which tries to combine these both uh, disciplines. And yeah, this leads somehow to a phonic. Because I was a hardcore podcast listener and many podcast producers had problems to process the audio. And I thought this actually should be easy. (laughs) That's really cool that basically you were getting annoyed about the quality of some of the podcasts that you had to listen to. So you basically decided to fix it, which is a, a very good strategy. Did you ever expect that it would take off in the way that it has, that it would become this major business that you now look after? No, not really. At the beginning, it was just a small script for, for a friend who did a podcast and he had problems to produce it. And yeah, so we, we extended it step by step. And at some point, we decided to try to make a company out of it. And that's how it started, basically. Yeah, because I guess at a basic level, one of the things that Orphonic does is performs the functions similar to the good old levelator that many podcasters used to use. And then I think it stopped working on some platforms. It wasn't supported, but it does so much more than that. Now, when someone asks you to describe Orphonic, to describe to them what it does, what do you say? How do you describe all that Orphonic does today? Uh, we try to automate the audio post-production process. So basically everything what an audio engineer would do. So we analyze the audio file uh, 
detect where are music segments or where are different speakers or where are different background noises and then try to adjust all these parts together so that you can listen to it somehow. So for example, matching loudness between different speakers that you don't have to adjust the volume control all the time. And this must be very fast because if you have changing speakers, you have to adjust the volume very fast. But for example, if there are, yeah, there are just some background noises, you should not raise the volume because then you would just increase the noise, obviously. With music, it's it's also different because uh, music, music has an inner dynamic which should not be destroyed. So you have to be more careful there. And also other parts like uh, removing noises from the sound, uh, like in this recording, for example, I guess I have some noise in the background, or filtering the sounds or removing some uh, low frequencies which, which are not important, or uh, shaping the sound a little bit and things like that. So these are the audio processing steps in our system. Then we also added other, other features like uh, encoding different output formats like MP3, Opus or video formats and adding correct metadata to it. Also chapter marks for, for podcasts, for example, this was uh, a long, a very big problem. And also distributing the, the, the processed files to different, uh, podcast hosters or to YouTube and to other places. So basically one should be able to record something and then of course you have to cut out parts you don't want to have because we cannot know that. But from there on, we should be able to take all the steps which are necessary to process and to deploy the podcast or other audio recordings. Are there other industries besides the podcast industry where Orphonic is popular? Yeah, every, everywhere where speech plays a major role. So, of course, audiobooks, which are similar. Also, lecture recordings is a big part in our use cases. So many universities, for example, record in the classroom and then the recordings are processed automatically. Ah, and one feature I, I missed in the description before is also speech recognition. So we also integrated various external speech recognition engines and also an internal now so that you can also get an, a transcript of, of the podcast. This is, of course, also important for lecture recordings or other things. Right, and I'll come back and explore some of those in greater detail in a bit. I find audio processing fascinating, and it could be because I'm a bit of an audio nerd anyway, and I'm a blind person, so I pick up on these things. But even when I was a kid, I could tune into a radio station, and I could tell people which radio stations were using OptiMod processors for example which is okay. which is pretty geeky the orphonic has quite a neutral sound it seems to me it's not doing particularly punchy audio compression it seems like it just wants to do its thing in the background and not be too obtrusive i guess there are some yeah. people who use dynamic audio compression who want it to be a little bit more punchy, a bit more aggressive, can users adjust the algorithm to give it a little more punch if they want to? Yes, that's a good point. So uh, first of all, I, I don't like all this. Personally, I'm not such a fan of too punchy sounds. Mm. Like, I mean, optimal, it, it depends how you set it, of course. So there is no, you can also choose the parameters there to, to define how much punchiness you want to have. 
but yeah, we we try to be some somehow neutral to not uh, change the sound of the production. We try to only fix technical issues. So if there are real differences and which should be adjusted between speakers or if there are noise, for example. But yeah, if you want to have a more punchy sound, we also have some advanced parameters. You have to activate them. Then you can also select, for example, more compression to get a more punchy sound and things like that. So it is possible, but not in our default parameters. Right. For the most part, I've found Orphonics offerings to be accessible to screen reader users like me, and it will be screen reader users in the main who are listening to this. Is that something that you are conscious of? Have you deliberately sought to design your user interfaces with accessibility in mind? Yes, we had one blind user some years ago, or actually many years ago now already. Uh, from Germany, who, who gave us some tips and, and tested our interface for blind users. So we made some fixes there so that he could access everything. But yes, that's, of course, uh, important for us because many blind people are really into the audio side of things, as you might know mm, yep. <laughs> by yourself. So And also in podcasting, of course, because podcasting is uh, perfect for blind people, obviously. And as you also said to me uh, in an email, so many of, of the default audio software, all the plugins are often not accessible to blind people because they have some fancy uh, user interfaces or other things. And yeah, that's of course on a, on a web-based system, that's of course easier to do as in other desktop software. And that's why we try to be accessible right from the start. But of course, I have to say there are always some small issues. So if someone detects some some small problems, we are always happy to, to get some feedback about that as well and improve the things. In addition to the web-based service, which we'll spend most of our time on, Orphonic also offers standalone apps. Are they still being maintained? Yeah, they are at the moment a little bit uh, outdated already. Uh, the problem is we used an, an old uh, user interface uh, framework, which is not supported on the new Mac Ventura now anymore. So at the moment, they do not work as they should. The other problem is that we now use many algorithms which need special hardware for processing, like special GPU setups to, to run the neural network models, for example. And all these new algorithms are very hard to port to the desktop version. That's why this is somehow paused at the moment. So we develop uh, more new algorithms at the moment, and then we plan later on to develop a complete new desktop version. Okay, so for the most up-to-date, the best experience, you are better for now to just purchase some credits, or if you use Audible for less than two hours a month, there's no need to do that even, and just use the web-based offering. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So there are all the new... Uh, improvements and new algorithms available. When you get back to the desktop apps, do you think that chapter support will ever be added to the desktop apps? I don't know. This was actually a licensing problem at, at the first version. So our current desktop app only includes some audio algorithms, but not all the metadata and, uh, and other options because um, uh, the software library we use there, which is ID3, I think, for MP3 is not licensable for, for desktop apps. 
because it's uh, a GPL license. Interesting. That could explain why it's so hard to find <laughs> Windows tools, at least, that do good yeah. MP3 chapter support. But there are some MP3 chapter tools now available, I think, from uh, Marco Arment mm. for Mac. He's done one for Mac. He, he doesn't develop yeah. for Windows, so, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. true. Whether it be the apps or the website, there are two versions of Orphonic, one for single-track files and another uh, when you're doing multiple tracks. Could you talk a little bit about the differences and when you would use one over the other? Sure. So we have a single-track version. This means in single-track you have already your mixed audio, so there are multiple speakers in it or music parts and whatever. So you, it's just one mono or stereo file, and then we, we process the already mixed file. In the multi-track system, we can get multiple tracks as input. So, for example, if we have this conversation now, there could be one track for me and one track for you, so two speech tracks. Then we could also have more a, a music track or a sound effect track. And then we get these individual tracks. So there we can, of course, process first the individual tracks, remove uh, noise in the individual in the individual tracks and filter them, etc. And then also try to detect if there is crosstalk between tracks. Uh, for example, if we record in the same room, my voice would be also recorded into in your microphone. So there is some crosstalk between microphones, then we can detect this and, and move it out and also echo-like effects and, and gate the track if, it, if the track is not active. And after the processing of the individual tracks, we do we mix down bo both tracks or how many tracks there are and to get the final mixed output track and to loudness normalization on this track and then you get the output file. So basically multi-track is of course more advanced because you have to upload multiple tracks so it's a little bit more complicated but the results uh, can be better of course because we just have more data and can do more with it. And for those who listen to this podcast regularly, they will be familiar with the roundtables that we do after Apple events. And I usually have four participants involved in that. Plus we have a music track. So there are five tracks and they all go into Orphonic and the result that it produces is absolutely amazing. It would have taken me so much time to do all of that stuff manually. While I remember to ask you about this, um, and, and it may be that the processing, the algorithms you are now employing are just too powerful for this to happen, but have you ever considered a VST-type plugin so that Orphonic might integrate with tools like Reaper and similar tools like that? Yes, this is one main difference to audio plugins. So as we were speaking in the beginning, there was this program called Levelator. So this also inspired us to start Orphonic. Because as an audio engineer, I, I always know these plugins and then I get to know my podcaster friend and he showed me this levelator tool, which nobody in the audio engineering com community knew about because it was just for podcasters, basically. And it works totally different. So in an audio plugin you can only see a small chunk of audio all the time and then you have to process it and give it back to the audio DAW, for example, deeper. So this comes from the analog time because there you, you always had a audio signal in and you immediately had to put it out. That's so real-time processing. And audio plugins are also 
built in the same spirit. So it's not really real time, but you get a small audio segment, process it and put it out. So what our system is doing, we do not look at a small audio buffer. We look at the whole file first. So we analyze the whole audio file first, see where there are different music bands, where are different speech bands and things like that. And then process the file and then maybe look back at the beginning. And so, so we, we don't do real time processing like it would be done in an audio plugin. We do offline processing. We have to access the whole audio data first, then process it and, and have to look at various parts all the time. So this is unfortunately, unfortunately not possible with VSD plugins. There are some other plugin formats where this could be possible like the ARA2 plugin, but they are not really available everywhere at the moment. And they also have some, some major frictions, which, which make it really hard to integrate into audio DAWs, uh, like it would be possible with simple VST plugins, for example. So basically, yes, this would be great to have a plugin version of our algorithms, but unfortunately the plugin infrastructure is not built for that. That's the main problem. That's also the reason why there are so few tools like ours, which really do offline processing because most of the audio algorithms want to fit into this plugin system, obviously, because there everyone can use it. But therefore they also live with, with the restrictions of this system and cannot get out of it. That's a great explanation. That's very helpful. So the web-based Orphonic makes use of external services for a range of tasks, including getting audio into and out of Orphonic. One of the newer features that you've added that I absolutely love is that now I have everything set up the way I like. I just drop an unprocessed copy, a WAV file or a FLAC file of my podcast into a folder in OneDrive, which is the one I've chosen to use. And then after a few minutes, I get the processed file back and it's using a preset that I've configured. Can you give me an overview of the services that Orphonic does support in terms of cloud storage and also where the files can go once you've processed them? Uh, yes, we try to integrate various tools to automate the workflows as much as possible. So one of these tools are cloud storages, as, as you said, I have to look at our list of what we support. So we, we obviously support all, if you have your own server, you can just use FTP or SFTP or HTTP or WebDAV. So all kinds of uh, default ways to, to move files around. Then we also integrated cloud storage services like Dropbox, Google Drive, OneDrive, Amazon S3, other S3 storage types or Google Cloud, uh, archive.org and many other services. And what you can do now is uh, first you can, of course, select the file directly from the service in our web interface. But you could, of course, also automatically do that, like you just explained it, using a watch folder. So then you just, you, you have to create this watch folder and we will check all the time if there is a new file in this folder. And if there is a new file in this folder, we will automatically start uh, audio post-production using your defined settings. So, which are defined in a preset. Then the file will be processed and when it's ready, it can be put again to your server or to your Google Drive, OneDrive, whatever. This is one way and another way we also have an API when you, if you want to automate this more, 
you can use our API and uh, just uh, orchestrate all these tasks with much more control in your own scripts. For a while, I was experimenting with turning snippets of the Mosin at Large podcast into audiograms for uploading to social media. And video is something where I don't have a lot of expertise. And one of the things that troubles me about video is that obviously as a blind person, I can't verify the quality of the product that I'm making. So I haven't really got yes. much into video. But once I got it all set up, it was so cool that Orphonic could insert an intro and an outro on these little clips that I'd selected and make what I have been told a very visually attractive and quite cool-looking video images that kind of match the audio. Uh, that's a really great bit of uh, technology for a blind person to use who maybe want to put a little bit of their podcast on TikTok or YouTube or something like that. Yeah, that's also a small feature we added some time ago. So for a podcast, you most of the time you use just a cover image. So you see this in the audio player. So and an audiogram now takes this cover image and also puts a waveform onto it. So when we are speaking, the waveform will go somehow along how we are speaking. So just to see that there is uh, some some speech going on. And yeah, basically that's it. We just take an image, then put a little bit of waveform on it, and then you we generate a video out of this data and that can be shared. Or Also on YouTube, it is quite uh, popular because you want to get your audio podcast to YouTube. You just take an image and then we put a waveform on it and so people can also listen to it on YouTube. You could also do multiple images. If you if you use chapter images, you can also specify different images at different times. So then the image is changing for, for different chapters, but you can also just use one image if you want. Can you currently publish to YouTube and those sorts of services on any sort of schedule? So you upload the material to Orphonic and then you say, at a predetermined time, I want this to go to YouTube. No, that's not possible yet, but it's on our feature list. <laughs> that would be really good. Yes. Uh, blind people are used to listening to audiobooks, and so navigability is really important. And Orphonic's web-based service allows you to insert your own chapter marks, and we've talked about that a bit, and that works in MP3 and M4A files. And i got to tell you, if for some reason I don't use it or I mess it up, my audience really lets me know they love their chapter marks. Could okay, we talk great. a bit about chapter support and um, how you make that happen as a podcaster? Sure. This is a, actually a long story. So there was, at the beginning when we started with Aphonic, there was already a chapter standard for MP3 files. MP3 files use the ID3 uh, metadata system, but basically nobody implemented it. There was a very old uh, Java tool by BBC, I think they did the reference implementation and also the Apple QuickTime player once had this feature built in, but they didn't use it anymore. So they removed it again. So it was nothing there, but there was this definition of it. So the, the, it was already defined. But then we did a new implementation of that and added it to our system and also a um, a friend of, of me was uh, developed um, a podcast player back then 
it was Instacast. It is um, not available anymore, but it was popular back then. And he also implemented the same chapter standard in his podcast player, which was used by many people. So we had now one system who, who could create the chapters and one system who could read the chapters. And from there on, it was starting to get some momentum. So other podcast player also implemented it. So now there are a lot of podcast players which, which have chapter support. Also Apple added the chapter support on their iTunes player. And there are, of course, also many more tools which can create chapter marks in MP3 now, not only our tool. So it started to get some momentum and finally... Chapters are quite widespread. Every podcaster knows that to be truly accessible, they should be offering transcripts, but human transcription is not cheap. I've been hearing in recent times about new technology called Whisper that's supposed to be better than any previous automated method. And when I was doing some research for our talk, I found that Orphonic now supports it. I put an episode of Mosin at Large through this or a snippet of it, and I was absolutely astounded. What it didn't do was it didn't separate the speakers. It didn't try and say speaker one and speaker two. But what it came back with was remarkably accurate, particularly given that I put a section where there was one New Zealand speaker, that's me, and one American speaker. And the recognition was absolutely remarkable. I have not seen anything that good before. So this uh, whisper technology is quite something. Yes, that's quite amazing. The comment to the multiple speakers. So if you use multitrack, for example, in our system, we can, of course, totally see where, where are which speakers because we have them in individual tracks. In the single track system, we don't have uh, speaker diarization, That's how it is called at the moment. We will add it uh, later. But yeah, back to Whisper. So what is Whisper? Whisper is a model built by OpenAI, this company, and it is open source, so everyone can use it. So they trained this model, multiple data sets with multiple languages. So it is one model which can work for many languages. This is also a very nice feature. Uh, it does not work for every language in the same quality, but at least it, it can give some output for multiple languages. You can just use it, what we are doing. The problem is it takes a lot of processing power, so you have to have special GPU computers to run these models, and uh, they're very time-consuming and uh, take a lot of performance, and it's very expensive, obviously. But they have a very good quality, so that's why we integrated these systems. And we also do some, some further processing with it, so process the audio first, and then also uh, do some... Use some other models to get better timestamps so that you can create better subtitles for videos, for example, or for audio. But basically, this Whisper model has great quality, yes. We also integrate some other speech recognition services. There are some other services out there, like from Google or from Amazon or Speechmatics is also a great uh, speech recognition service. So, yeah, you can choose between different services and... Whisper is obviously very good, especially for English and also for Spanish, I guess. But it depends on the on the language, which service has the best quality. Is it your assessment that Whisper has the edge over all of them at the moment? Mm, I don't think so. I mean, they're all quite similar. 
Speech Medics is also very good, and there are some other companies which which are also really good. It always depends on on your context because some some models are trained more on specific topics or on other topics. So it, that's really hard to say. Also, also on the language. So Vispa is very good for English and for Spanish, but for other languages, other models are much better. But Vispa is definitely a very good model. So it's a good baseline. As we wrap, could we just talk a bit about pricing and the way that Orphonic works? What do people pay to make use of the service? Sure. Our system is a freemium system, so you have two hours for free per month. So this means if you have one podcast every month or every week, which, which is half an hour, so this would be somehow like two hours per month, then you can use the system for free, basically. There are not all features included in the free version, but most uh, useful features for podcasters are there. And if you need more, you can just purchase additional credits. So there we have also two uh, versions. So one is a recurring credits plan. So it's uh, called recurring credits. So there you get, uh, for example, nine hours per month or 21 hours per month. So you can always, you have always a processing limit every month and you pay every month as a subscription. The other thing is one-time credits. They are valued for an unlimited amount of time. So you just purchase, for example, 10 hours of one-time credits. They are used in addition to your two hours free credits. So if you just need more credits in some month, you can purchase one-time credits. Then you have your two hour free credits. And if you need more, they will be, uh, the one-time credits will be reduced. What happens if I upload a project to Orphonic and then I find that something's not quite right? I want to run it again. Will that consume? more credits how much sort of leeway do i have in terms of making a change yes you can change the production as often as you want so you can play around with the parameters process it again but this doesn't matter the only thing which matters is the input file or the input file so if you change your input file you will need new credits because otherwise you could just process everything in one production but if you, for example, uh, uploaded a wrong file or there is some problem, you can just click on the refund button and describe why you had a problem. Then we will, of course, just refund the credits for this production and you can run it again. I cannot tell you how much I really appreciate Orphonic. And on the rare occasions where I might have a problem, you're always quick about responding. It's just one of those services that I cannot speak highly enough of. So it's an honor to talk with you. Thank you for all you've done to make the podcast industry sound so much better. And I really look forward to finding out what happens next. Well, thanks. It's really an honor to, to get feedback like that. That is Georg Holzmann, the founder of Orphonic, the person whose brainchild is Orphonic. Now we're going to demonstrate Orphonic in a very practical sense. And to do this, I first need to create some audio that has some serious issues. So I've created a couple of minutes of audio that hopefully I would never really create in real life that I know enough about Reaper to sort it out a bit better than this. But we're doing something deliberately exaggerating here to see just what Orphonic might be able to do with it. So here is that audio that I've created in its raw form. Howdy y'all! Welcome to this old phone of 
demo. Now I'm going to let the music fade out, and I'm going to talk into this microphone, just yammer away, nothing particularly exciting here, but we will be back after this short break. Be the first to know what's coming in the next episode of Mosin at Large. Opt in to the Mosin media list and receive a brief email on what's coming so you can get your contribution in ahead of the show. You can stop receiving emails anytime. To join, send a blank email to media-subscribe at mosin.org. That's media-subscribe at mosen.org. Stay in the know with Mosin at Large. Uh, tremendous, tremendous. Now, uh, finally, I am going to switch to the other microphone here in the studio. The Heil PR40 mic is really directional. So even though it's just a little way off to my right, it's probably not going to pick up very much. Hello from the other Heil PR40. I'm actually still in front of my microphone, but it is not armed right now. So what you're hearing is the guest Heil PR40 microphone a wee bit away from me here in the studio. Well, thank y'all for listening to this whole Sonic demo. Y'all come back now, you hear? I have saved that nonsense in two ways. I've saved it as a single track, and I've also saved it as stems, because I've put the music elements and the very faint trailer that was played there on one track... I've put my vocals on another track. I put the Heil PR40 on another track. So this allows us to look at how Orphonic processes single-track audio and how it processes multi-track audio. So let's go to the website. I'm in Microsoft Edge. I'll go to the address bar. Address and search bar edit. And I'll type orphonic.com. Selected. Onic.com. And because I go there regularly, autocomplete has worked its magic, so I'll press enter to load the page. Selected. S slash slash orf. Orphonic Productions document. One heading and 58 links. One smart glance highlights. Orphonic Productions list of seven items. And now we're on the Orphonic page, which you can explore at your leisure. If you've not created an account on Orphonic before, that would be the first step. And as Georg mentioned, that will give you two hours of use every month. That is to say you'll get two hours of produced audio. Bear in mind that you can repurpose that two hours of audio as much as you want. So, for example, you can upload two hours, you can create a WAV version of it, you can create an MP3, an M4A, you can even create a version of it for YouTube that has the audiogram features that we talked about when we were speaking with Georg. Because I use Orphonic so regularly, I'm already signed in. So I'm just going to get to work and create a new production. We will explore other parts of the Orphonic website as we go. I'll bring up my links list with JAWS key and F7. Links list dialog. And we'll go to new. New feature. 10 of 58. Sometimes you learn about new features by perusing the website. New production. 13 of 58. But the one I want is new production. I'll press enter, and just to emphasize that this will create a new single-track production. If you want to play with stems and do the multi-track, and we will get there, you would choose a different link called New Multi-Track Production. I'll press enter on this link. New production visited link. Orphonic production document. One heading and 37 links. Now we've got a form on the page. So this is all cloud-based, and I guess the advantage of this is that you can create audio on all sorts of devices. You could use your smartphone, and indeed there are smartphone apps for Orphonic. I haven't seen the iOS Orphonic app updated for a long time, so I don't think it's something that Orphonic is giving a lot of love to right now, but it does exist. But you could really use any audio app that you like 
such as Fair Eyes or Hokusai, which are very popular in the blind community, even something like Just Press Record, and then place the files in a place that Orphonic can see them and process your iPhone audio that way. So that's another advantage of everything being cloud-based. So the form is on the page now, and I'm going to press F to get to the first form field. Colon combo box collapsed. If we go back to check what this is. Link preset. This is the preset option. There are advantages in saving presets. Obviously, one is just that it saves you time because a lot of parameters are filled in. But you can also use presets with other features that we'll talk about later, such as watch folders. I have a preset for the Mosin at Large podcast. We'll take a look at that a bit later. Right now, though, we don't want to use a preset. So I'll keep going down. Colon combo box collapsed. Show all fields. I'm going to press the spacebar to show all fields. It doesn't show as a button in a screen reader, but it will expand the form, and that will just make sure that we see all the fields. What we have now is quite a simple view of the page. So I'll press space on this. Orphonic production. Orphonic production. That has reset the page, changed the focus. So I'll go to the first form field again. Colon combo box collapsed. There's our presets. And now I will navigate by form field. Audio or video source group. Select upload method combo box collapsed. File. We've got to give the audio to Orphonic, and there are various ways that you can do that. The simplest of them is simply to upload the audio yourself. Now, the downside of that is that you should be giving Orphonic the best quality audio you can. If you can manage it, you should give Orphonic lossless audio. Now, when we think of MP3 and M4A, those files are nice and small. The reason why they're nice and small is because they are compressed and they take bits of the audio that the human ear is not supposed to mind missing out on out, and that's how they get as small as they do. The thing is, though, that Orphonic is going to create another version for you, and if you choose to make that version podcast-ready or internet ready in any way, and you compress it to MP3 or M4A, you are introducing additional artifacts Artifacts are an inevitable byproduct of lossy audio. So you want to minimize that as much as possible by giving Orphonic a lossless version of the file. If you don't want to use a WAV file, you could use a FLAC file, which stands for Free Lossless Audio Codec. That compresses the file a bit, but it doesn't take any of the audio away. So FLAC's a good compromise. You could upload a FLAC file this way. It may take you some time. There are other ways to get audio into Orphonic even quicker. So I'm going to press enter. Audio or video source. Select upload method combo box collapsed. File. I'm going to down arrow through this list. HTTP. You could take a piece of audio that's stored on a web server somewhere and you could give it to Orphonic. I'll down arrow again. Dropbox. Jonathan Mozin. This one exists because I have added the Dropbox service. And as we go through this review, we'll take a look at adding services to Orphonic. This is one of the best ways to do it. It's probably one of the most user-friendly ways for most people. When you add the Dropbox service, and this applies to other cloud services as well, under Dropbox, you'll have a folder called Apps. And then when you go into the Apps folder, there's a folder called Orphonic. And then under Orphonic, you can just put the files that you want to be processed and Orphonic will look for audio files. There's also another subfolder in that Orphonic folder and that is called results because not only can you send audio from Dropbox, you can have Orphonic send the processed audio back to Dropbox. Now we heard Georg talking about the computing power involved in Orphonic's algorithms and clearly they have bandwidth to burn there because when I upload a file from Dropbox, 
it's really quick. I've got a pretty fast fiber connection here in New Zealand. But even with that connection, it is way faster to put the audio in Dropbox and have Dropbox send the file to Orphonic than it is to upload the audio. If I down arrow... OneDrive, Jonathan Mozin. I've also set up OneDrive in a similar way. There's method in that madness in having the two services set up, and I'll explain that in a little bit. But those are the services that I have set up at the moment. We'll explore other services later. For now, I will up arrow... Dropbox, Jonathan Mozin. Because I have put a single-track version of that terrible audio in Dropbox in the right place. So I went to Dropbox, I went to Apps, and I went to Orphonic, and I pasted the file in there. It is a WAV file. Now that I've chosen Dropbox, I'll press the Tab key. Select file from Dropbox Combo Box slash Orphonic Audio for processing dot wav. And there it is. That is the audio already chosen. Orphonic Audio for Processing is what I called the WAV file. I don't need to do anything else here. The correct file has been chosen, so I'll press the tab key. Intro and outro group. Orphonic permits you to append and prepend a file to your production. I don't use this often, but one area where I have used it is where for a while I was creating audiograms for Mosin at Large. If you heard one of those audiograms, you will recall that they began with this. And then the audio clip would come right in. So let's have a look at how we did that. Virtual PC. I've turned the virtual PC cursor back on. I'll go down. Select intro. Combo box collapsed. Now we can choose an intro from the same source. So if we have our intro in Dropbox, we can go ahead and choose it from there. Remove button. Current file. No file selected. Overlap sec. Zero edit spin box. This is one of the genius things about the fact that once you've uploaded an audio production to Orphonic, you can tweak it and test it as much as you want, as long as you don't change the input file, because then it's considered another production and you will use some credits. So when I first did one of these audiograms and I used one of our jam jingles as the intro, I wanted it to be tight. I wanted to make sure that the moment the singing stopped, the audio clip kicked in. And of course, there was a little bit of a tail on that jingle. There's a bit of a reverb there. And so there was, for me, an unacceptable long pause. But this overlap feature took care of it because you can specify how much overlap do you want between this intro file and the file that you're going into, the primary file in your production. And I was able to tweak that with my first Orphonic production until I got it to the point that it was perfect, and then I was able to save that as a preset. So we'll go down now. Select outro. Combo box collapsed. And then we have an outro option. Again, I use that in the audiogram so that when the audio finished, the little snippet from the podcast that I chose to use as part of my audiogram, this would come on automatically at the end without me having to do anything. Subscribe to Mosin at Large wherever you get podcasts and join the conversation. Send an email to jonathan at mushroomfm.com, either written down or with an audio attachment, or call our listener line in the US, 864-60-MOSIN, 864-606-6736. Mosin at Large Podcast.
So once I'd got all that set up and it was done as a preset, all I had to do was give Orphonic the little snippet that I wanted included in the latest audiogram. It would play the jingle. It would then do the snippet and create this cool-looking wave file to accompany the audio and play the outro. So once you've done the setup, it really is a very efficient thing to do. I'll down arrow. Remove button. Current file. No file selected. Overlap sec. Zero edit spin box. You can also have an overlap for the outro, if you like. That could be good if your outro kind of fades in with music that you want at the end of an audio production. Group end intro and outro. Now we're into the next group. Group start basic metadata. And this governs basic metadata. I'll down arrow. Title. Edit. If we were saving this as an MP3 file, for example, this would be inserted into ID3 information. It's not essential for you to put anything here, but if you're using this for something serious, like a podcast, then this is where you'd put the title of your episode, for example. I'll down arrow. Cover image. Cover image button. Artist. You can add a cover image. You may not want to if your podcast service adds a cover image to the file anyway. So it's up to you where you choose to insert it. Edit. Now we're in the artist field. Album. Edit. This is all pretty straightforward if you're used to tagging your audio with appropriate metadata. Track. Edit. Group and basic metadata. That's the end of the basic metadata group. We'll move on to the next group. Group start extended metadata. Now we've got the extended metadata. Subtitle 255 characters. Edit. Genre. Edit. Year. Edit. Append chapters to summary checkbox not checked. This is quite an interesting feature. The summary field is a free form field and you can, if you want to, append all the chapters to the summary field, which will give people a kind of a textual summary of your chapters. Summary description. Edit. Publisher. Edit. URL. Edit. License copyright. Edit. Now, you may not want to fill in all of these fields, and that's totally fine. It's not going to error out on you if these fields are left empty. License URL. Edit. Link creator license. Tags comma separated. Edit. Group end extended metadata. Now, let's go on to the next group. Group start chapter marks. Now, this is something that is of interest to a lot of podcasters, especially in the blind community, because chapters are a really big deal. People want that degree of navigability. Blind people are used to navigating audio by segment. Start time, start chapter title, chapter URL, chapter image. Add chapter mark row button. Delete all chapters button. Link import chapter marks from file. You can add your chapters manually if you want to. That is a really tedious process. But there are a couple of ways that you can get this done. Let me cover the two ways that I have used at various times and the advantage of each. If you produce your podcast in Reaper, which I highly recommend whether you use Mac or PC because the accessibility on both is superb, the support from the blind community for Reaper is superb. If you use Reaper, then you've got an active community of Reaper users who will be willing to help you and engage with you It is a very powerful environment. You will not run out of scope. It's a first-class digital audio workstation. And if you use Reaper, then creating chapter marks is actually quite simple. Create a bookmark at each point that you want a chapter to occur. You do that by pressing Shift with M. And when you do that, you'll be presented with an edit field where you type the name of the bookmark. You have to begin each chapter with the word CHAP, 
C-H-A-P, and it must be in uppercase. You follow the chap without any space or other character with the equals symbol, and then you go straight into your chapter name. So uppercase C-H-A-P equals, and then right away you can start typing your chapter name. When you're ready to render your project, be sure to render to a file format that supports extended metadata and you want it to be lossless. So I'd recommend rendering to a FLAC file. In the rendering dialog, make sure that the metadata checkbox is checked and then you will get your chapter marks embedded in the FLAC file. When you send that FLAC file to Orphonic, it'll take care of the rest and you won't have to do anything else. Just to be clear also that if you save an MP3 file in Reaper itself this way, in other words, you take Orphonic completely out of the mix and you do your own compressing, you can use this trick as well to create chapter markers if you decide for whatever reason that Orphonic isn't your thing. The other way that you can do this in Reaper is to export all your bookmarks as a CSV file. If you do it this way, then there's no need to use the chap equals prefix at the beginning. You can just type your bookmarks in, export them as a CSV file, and then we've got this option here. Link import chapter marks from file. Import chapter marks from file. And when you give that CSV file to Orphonic, it will create the chapters based on the data in that CSV file. One advantage of doing this anyway is that you will get a list of chapters which you can then use for your show notes. So I now use the chap equals method when I send things to Orphonic, but I still export as a CSV file because that file forms the basis of my show notes where I summarize exactly what happens on the podcast and at what time. Group end chapter marks. Group start output files. Now we're looking at the output file. When Orphonic's done its magic, what do we want the output file to be. Format star bitrate star file name suffix ending mono split chapters. 1. Combo box collapsed mp3. Now by default, Orphonic's going to choose mp3. In this case, because I'm going to bring the processed file back into Reaper for you to hear, I want something lossless. So I'll press enter. Output files 1. Combo box collapsed. mp3. And mp3's at the top, so we'll go down. mp3 variable bitrate. Although variable bitrate files are good for music, if you're creating a podcast, it's probably good to stick to a constant bitrate file, and that's why MP3 is at the top. AAC M4A, MP4, M4B. This is a far superior file format to MP3. You can create audio at lower bitrates and it will sound better. There still is a little bit of lack of compatibility, although it's pretty minimal in this day and age. Opus. Opus is great technology, but again, not as widely supported. Ogvorbis. And we have had Ogvorbis around for quite a long time now. It is an open source file format. FLAC. Now, FLAC is free lossless audio codec, and I am actually going to choose that. Alec M4A, MWAV 16-bit PCM, WAV 24-bit PCM, video, audiogram waveform video, and processed input file, chapters file. Podlove Simple Chapters, Cover Image, Waveform Image, Production Description, Audio Processing Statistics, Waveform Data File. You can add multiple output files to the one production. So if you're interested in the statistics, the processing statistics relating to what Orphonic is doing, you could, for example, create an MP3 file, and as another output file, you could add the statistics so you can take a look at what's going on. 
For now, I'm going to press F. Flack. And we've got Flack. That will be fine. So I'll turn the virtual PC cursor on. Virtual PC. And go down. Combo box collapsed optimal stereo 130 megabytes slash H. Mono 65 megabytes slash H. That's fine. File name suffix. Edit. And we can append a suffix to the file. I'll leave that blank for now. Combo box collapsed flack. And flack is the default file name suffix anyway. Check box not checked. Check box not checked. Remove a format button. Output file name. Orphonic audio for processing dot flack. So that confirms that the output file name is going to be orphonic audio for processing dot flack. Out add output file button. And we can add another output file. So if we want to, we can create an MP3 version of this same file or an audiogram version of the same file. Where this could be useful is if, for example, you're creating one version of the file to upload to your podcast host and you want to create another version to upload to YouTube. And just to emphasize that you're not charged any extra in terms of your credits for this you're only charged based on the input file that you supply. So you can create as many versions as you want. Output file basa name no extension. Edit. Group end output files. Group start speech recognition. Now we're on to the speech recognition group. We talked a bit about the various speech recognition services that Orphonic supports. You will need to sign up for some of these because they're external to Orphonic. But the new open source Whisper is built into Orphonic. They are doing this at their end, so it's pretty easy to get that going. Service. Combo box collapsed. I'll press enter to open this combo box. Speech recognition. Service combo box. Speech recognition group. Service combo box. Oh, Dan Arrow. Orphonic Whisper ASR. That's all I have. Now, there are many more services that Orphonic supports, and the reason why we're not seeing them is because I have not added them. And we will come back to adding services a little bit later. But I'll go up and make sure that nothing is selected. Virtual so combo box collapsed. There we go. Nothing is selected because I don't want speech recognition right now. Please. Link register a service. And there's the register a service option for speech recognition. So as I say, we will come back to that. First, group in speech recognition. Group start publishing slash external services. And now we're on to the publishing part. So you can see it's all very logically laid out. Please. Link register a service. First, add service button. Now we can add a service. When I press this button. Publishing slash external services group. Add service button. If I go up now. First, link register please. One selected button menu. And it says one selected. I find this a bit hit and miss, but what should happen, and you may need to press that button more than once to make it happen, is that if you up arrow or move up in whatever way your screen reader lets you move up, you should then find a combo box that lets you select the service that is going to receive the file. Add service button. Group end publishing slash external services. Group start audio algorithms. Advanced parameters. Now we're going into the audio algorithms. We'll take a look at this. Adaptive leveler checkbox checked. Orphonic has excellent leveling. If you go back a long way in podcasts and you do remember the levelator, I think some people may well still use the levelator. I think it might have had a bit of a revival. It's the levelator on steroids. It does a remarkably good job and it's very gentle by default. So you would normally want adaptive leveler checked. It will give it that uh, little bit of dynamic audio compression without being unduly aggressive. Loudness normalization checkbox checked. Loudness target. 
Combo Box collapsed 16 Luffs podcasts and mobile. There are actually standards that podcasters should be reaching in terms of podcasts for certain services. The consensus is that if you are creating stereo podcasts, you want to normalize to minus 16 Luffs. If you're creating mono podcasts, you want to normalize to minus 19 Luffs. Orphonic takes all the worry out of that process and just does it for you. Now, in this case, because I'm going to be bringing this audio back into Reaper for this production, I don't want it to be that high. So I'm going to press enter. Audio algorithms. And just down arrow. Minus 18 luffs replay gain similarity. Minus 19 luffs. Minus 20 luffs. I like the fact that Orphonic is giving you a bit of guidance about certain values and what they might be used for. Minus 23 luffs. Ebu 128 dv. Europe. For raw production, I like to work at minus 23 luffs, so I'm going to leave it there. Virtual PC. Filter and check. Box checked. Now, as I understand it, this is applying high-pass and low-pass filters to just clean up the audio. Noise and harm reduction. Check. Box not checked. Now, this is not checked by default. In this case, I'm going to check it. If you know that you've got clean audio, then leave this off. I suspect it improves processing time, but also there's no point in using an algorithm that may create some anomalies in the audio if you don't need it. So if you're confident about the cleanliness of your audio, you can leave this alone. Noise and harm reduction check box checked. And now I'll go down. Reduction amount. Combo box collapsed auto. Auto is the default. I seldom play with this, but you do have other choices. Audio algorithms. Advanced parameters. Reduction amount combo box checked. Auto. Reduction amount combo box. Disabled denoise dim only. 3 dB. 6 dB low. 9 dB. 12 dB medium, 15 dB, 18 dB, 24 dB high, 30 dB, 100 dB complete. All right, we'll go back up. Auto. And leave it on auto. Virtual PC. Group and audio algorithms. Advanced parameters. Save production as preset. Link. To use your settings in other productions. Save preset button. We're not going to do that this time, but I will show you where presets can be useful in a little bit. Back to production button. Save button. Start production button. And now we're going to start the production. So I'll press enter. And now if I navigate by heading. Do you want to start the production heading level two? You have credits for 8H41 minutes of audio available. Link get more. If your audio file is longer than your available credits, the processing will be stopped after the file upload. Output file. Orphonic audio for processing dot flack. Blank. Click start production to start processing. Back to edit your production or close the browser tab to cancel. Start production button. I want to do that, so we'll press enter on start production. Waiting, waiting. It's waiting, waiting, waiting. So now heading and 33 links. it is going to upload the audio from Dropbox into Orphonic and do its magic. Let's just see what's happening now. I'll navigate by heading. Status of untitled heading level 2. Current status, audio processing. And it says audio processing, so it's a fairly short file, which means that the upload took very little time, and processing is happening as we speak. Outgoing file transfer. Outgoing file and transfer. And now it's done. Now, remember that this is a very short file. If we were dealing with something like a two-hour episode of Mosin at Large, understandably, it would take considerably longer. And so now that file is in my Orphonic Results folder in Dropbox. I'm going to bring it into Reaper. And we'll see what the processing did to the file. Howdy, y'all. Welcome to this old folder demo. 
Okay, then it's the music fade out. And I'm going to talk into this microphone, just yammer away. Nothing particularly exciting here, but we will be back after this short break. Be the first to know what's coming in the next episode of Mosin at Large. Opt into the Mosin media list and receive a brief email on what's coming so you can get your contribution in ahead of the show. You can stop receiving emails anytime. To join, send a blank email to media-subscribe at mosin.org. That's media-subscribe at M-O-S-E-N dot org. Stay in the know with Mosin at Large. Uh, tremendous, tremendous. Now, uh, finally, I am going to switch to the other microphone here in the studio, the Heil PR40 mic is really directional. So even though it's just a little way off to my right, it's probably not going to pick up very much. Hello from the other Heil PR40. I'm actually still in front of my microphone, but it is not armed right now. So what you're hearing is the guest Heil PR40 microphone a wee bit away from me here in the studio. Well, thank y'all for listening to this whole Sonic demo. Y'all come back now, you hear now, I did a phenomenal job with leveling. You will remember that that promo for Mosin at Large was very, very quiet in the original version, and you can go back and hear that original version. And also, it was very quiet when I was using the other mic, the other Heil PR40, some distance from me, and yet it was perfectly audible in the final version. In that version of the file, the intro music and the outro music is still a little loud, I think, to the point that I'm being slightly drowned out by the music. And I think that there will be things that will be improved if we use the multi-track version of Orphonic. What I've done to demonstrate this is use the same audio, but this time I have created stems of the tracks. In other words, I've saved each track to its own WAV file, and we're going to give Orphonic those files. There are four of those files, and the way I did this in Reaper was to select all four tracks, and then I pressed Control alt r to get into the render dialog. There's a combo box where you can specify the source from which Reaper should render, and you choose selected tracks stemmed, and then you will get four different WAV files that you can then feed to Orphonic. One WAV file for each track. I'm going to bring up my links list now and press the JAWS key with F7. Links list dialog. We'll links go to productions. Productions 2 of 35. Orphonic production. And now I'll bring up the links list again. Links list. And we'll choose new. New feature. 10 of 17. Uh, new production. Thir- and down arrow. Presets. External. Uh, new multi-track production. There we 35 go. New multi-track production is the one that we want. So I'll press enter. This screen that we're on now has some similarities to the screen we saw before for the single track production, but it has some additional features to accommodate the fact that we're working with multiple files. I'll go to the first form field on the page. Colon combo box collapsed. And the first thing it's asking is for a preset, should we wish to use one? In this case, we don't. Link show all fields. I'm going to show all fields just to be safe. Colon combo box collapsed. Audio tracks and algorithms. Advanced parameters group. Remove this track button. Track identifier edit. Track one. And we're now dealing with each track that we want to add to this project. You can identify each track, and by default, it's just going to say track one, track two, etc. That's fine for this project. If you were dealing with a podcast where you had multiple speakers, you may find it helpful to name each track for each speaker. And indeed, I do that when I'm working on a project like that in Reaper itself. Select upload method. 
Combo box collapsed file. This is the same strategy as we used before, so we're going to choose Dropbox again. Audio Dropbox, Jonathan Mozen. And now I'll press tab. Select file from Dropbox combo box slash orphonic audio for processing 001.wav. I've put these files in Dropbox in the right place in my orphonic folder. And so this is track one. That's fine. That's what I want in this case. I'll press tab again. Filtering check box checked. Noise and harm reduction checked box not checked. There's no need for noise and harm reduction on this one because this track just contains the music. This track contains the country intro and outro music and nothing more. Four slash background, combo box, auto. Now we're going to specify the kind of relationship that this track has to the other tracks in the project. The auto option is the default and it's essentially saying, okay, Orphonic AI, you are the smart thing in the room. You work it out for yourself. But there are other options and they're useful to work with. Foreground track. If you tell Orphonic that this is a foreground track, then it's going to try and make sure that no matter what else is going on in the mix, this track gets heard. It's prominent in the mix. Background track. You might want to choose background track if you're the kind of person that likes to put instrumental music in the background of your podcast, for example. Duck this track. Now, duck this track is a variation on this theme. If you have music where when you talk, you would like the music to fade down, and when you stop talking, you would like the music to come back up again, then the duck track feature is for you. And this duck track option is actually perfect for what's on this track, which is intro and outro music. Unchanged foreground. And this is unchanged foreground, and I'm not clear about the difference. I guess it's just Orphonic saying, look, we're not going to tamper with this at all. Duck this track. Right, so we're going to leave that at duck this track and move on. Add audio track button. And we need to add a second audio track. When you do this, the fields for that track that you've just added are actually behind you, as it were. So you have to shift tab to get to them. I wish it were different, but it isn't. So we'll press the button. And now we'll shift tab and we'll go back in reverse order. But this time, these parameters apply to the track that we've just added track to. Four slash background, combo box, auto. I'm going to make this a foreground track because this has speech. Foreground track. I'll shift tab. Noise and hum reduction checked box not checked. We don't need any noise and hum reduction on this track. Filtering check box checked. And filtering's fine. Select file from Dropbox combo box slash orphonic audio for processing 001.wav. We need to change this, obviously. Slash orphonic audio for processing 002.wav. So I down arrowed and now we've got track two from Reaper assigned to track two in the orphonic project. You can, if you want, have files from multiple sources. So although we chose Dropbox for track one, we don't actually have to choose it for track two. I'm not really clear about how often you would want to mix your sources like that, but you can if you want to. So that's enough. We'll go back. Noise. Add audio track button. And we'll add a third audio track. Now I shift tab and we're dealing with track three. Four slash background, combo box, auto. Now I'm going to set this to foreground. Foreground track. This is the track containing that very quiet Mosin at Large promo. Noise and harm reduction checked box not checked. No, there's no noise there that we need to get rid of. Filtering check box checked. And that's fine. Select file from Dropbox combo. So let's make sure we have the right file selected. I'll down arrow twice. Slash slash orphonic audio for processing 003.wav. And we have one more track to add. I'll tab there. Noise. Four slash add audio track button. Add audio track. Now we're dealing with track four. 
four slash background, combo box, auto. I'm going to leave that to auto. Noise and hum reduction checked box not checked. But I am going to turn on noise and hum reduction. This is the track containing me talking from some distance from the microphone that's on the track. So there's a little bit of room noise. You can hear that. And I want to see whether we can just clean that up a bit. Checked. So because I have checked the box. Filtering check. Four slash background. Combo box. Auto. And we'll leave it at auto. Noise. Filtering check box checked. Select file from Dropbox combo box. And we need to select track four. Slash off, slash off, slash orphonic audio for processing 004.wav. We're set up now to process the files the way that we want and make a single mix out of all of this. There are quite a few parameters on the screen that are identical to the screen that we've looked at. You can set an intro and an outro. You can use metadata, both basic and advanced. You can add chapter marks to this. And we do need, of course, to determine what file format we want this end project to be in. I'll search on the word format. JAWS find dialog. Format star bitrate star file name suffix ending mod. Yep. One. Combo box collapsed MP3. Out. We'll make this flack. Flack. That's fine. Combo box. Optimal stereo 130 megabytes slash file name suffix edit. Combo box. Flack. Checkbox not checked. Checkbox not checked. I don't know what these two unlabeled checkboxes do. Remove a format button. Add output file button. Output file bass name no extension edit. And the base name will call this Orphonic Demo Multi-Track Version. We'll just confirm that. Misspelled Orphonic Demo Multi-Track Version. Ver- now we want to make sure that this is set at the right LUFS value. Speech recognition. Publishing sl- master audio. Adaptive noise gate checkbox checked. Now we're on to the master audio algorithms. So you can specify parameters for each track. But this affects the entire mix. Crossgate checkbox checked. Crossgate is another handy feature available to you when you create a multi-track production. And it attempts to eliminate bleed through between tracks. There are a couple of circumstances where this works really well. One is if you are in a room with microphones that are close together or maybe they're just super omnidirectional. So you're getting a little bit of your guest's audio from your microphone and vice versa. And that's going to create a lot more room ambience when two microphones are picking it up. Crossgate seeks to eliminate that. Another way that I found this feature to be useful is if somebody is using a voice over IP technology that doesn't have any echo cancellation. CleanFeed is actually an example of this. If you are using CleanFeed optimally, you won't have any echo cancellation enabled. It may be that you can sometimes hear a little bit of bleed through from your audio as the host coming through your guest's track as they hear it through their headphones or earbuds or whatever they are using. Crossgate will totally clean that up. So you may have heard the Mosin at Large podcasts where we have maybe three or four people talking about Apple events, for example, and I take care to mix those on the stereo spectrum and we use Orphonic and I always have Crossgate on there and it does a fantastic job. I've also used Crossgate when I've gone on location. For example, I have done some podcast interviews from New Zealand's parliament where they have quite echoey offices and there might be fans running in the background. And so the combination of Crossgate and the noise reduction really does clean the original audio up a lot.
Loudness target combo box collapsed. Minus 16 luffs pod. Mark. I want to take that down. Minus 18 luff. Minus 19 luff. Minus 20 luffs. Minus 23 luff. Minus 24 luff. Two minus 20. Minus 23. That's fine. Now we need to add a service to send the file to Dropbox. Say preset button. Uh, we'll go back. Publishing's output files group. Add output file button. Remove a format button. Chapter mark. Add out publishing slash external services group. Add service button. I'll press the space bar. Publishing. And that has added Dropbox. And now we are good to go. Start production button. Orphonic Multitrack Productions document. And it's asking me if I want to proceed. I do. Start production button. So we'll do start production. Now, this time it is uploading four files and they are WAV files. So they'll be uploaded from Dropbox. There'll be some processing going on. And then we will get our output file. Outgoing so, file transfer. Oh, there we outgoing go. It's already transfer. doing its thing. Outgoing file transfer. And it's going to be done now. So let's go into Dropbox, bring this file into Reaper, and see what the multi-track version is like. Yeehaw! Howdy, y'all! And welcome to this old phonic demo. Woo! Now I'm going to let the music fade out. And I'm going to talk into this microphone, just yammer away. Nothing particularly exciting here, but we will be back after this short break. Be the first to know what's coming in the next episode of Mosin at Large. Opt into the Mosin media list and receive a brief email on what's coming so you can get your contribution in ahead of the show. You can stop receiving emails anytime. To join, send a blank email to media-subscribe at mosin.org. That's media-subscribe at M-O-S-E-N dot org. Stay in the know with Mosin at Large. Ah, tremendous, tremendous. Now, uh, finally, I am going to switch to the other microphone here in the studio. The Heil PR40 mic is really directional. So even though it's just a little way off to my right, it's probably not going to pick up very much. Hello from the other Heil PR40. I'm actually still in front of my microphone, but it is not armed right now. So what you're hearing is the guest Heil PR40 microphone a wee bit away from me here in the studio. Well, thank y'all for listening to this whole phonic demo. Y'all come back now, you hear? <laughs> There's the ducking there, doing a really nice job of taking it down and then uh, taking it back up there at the end. So there are definite advantages of using the multi-track method. You just have a lot more control, a lot more granularity. Now let's take a look at presets, and I'll show you a simple one that I have set up for creating the Mosin at Large podcast, which a lot of the time I'm doing is a single track process. So I'll go to the links list. Links list. This is from Orphonics homepage, by the way. New production 11 of... And we'll choose new production. New production visited link. Orphonic production document. One heading and 35 links. New now, we'll go to the first form field on the page, which is the combo box for a preset. Colon combo box collapsed. And when I press enter... Colon com We've got some choices here. Automated MALP. Automated MALP. Audiogram Mosin at Large. That is the audiogram that I talked about earlier. Mosin at Large. And then Mosin at Large, which we'll look at right now. I will cover the automated MALP or MALP a little bit later. Now, it's also important to say if you're using Windows, you will want to alt down arrow when you are working with this combo box because the moment you down arrow, you are giving focus to that preset 
and all your stuff will populate. So the easiest thing to do is alt down arrow. When you've found the preset that you want, tab away from it and the fields will populate. When I go to the metadata field, that's where we start seeing some customization. Group start basic metadata. Virtual title edit. Mosin at large episode. And it just says Mosin at large episode. And then what I do is fill in the episode number and then the title of the episode. I'll down arrow. Cover image. Cover image button. Artist. Edit Jonathan Mosin. And my name is in the artist field, so I don't have to worry about that. Album. Edit Mosin at large. Track. Edit. And then I manually fill in the track to match the episode number. Group end basic metadata. Group start extended metadata. Subtitle 250. And I don't use too much of the extended metadata, other than the fact that I have the year in the year, and I need to update that, actually. I've also got the format set to MP3 and the bitrate set to 128. Combo box collapsed MP3. Comp file name suffix. Edit. Combo box collapsed M check box not checked. Check remove a format button. Output file name mal.mp3. And I have the file name as malp.mp3, but then I manually come in here and I add the episode number and a description of the episode in the file name. And so we go down here, we make sure that Dropbox is selected, all of the things that just take a little bit of time, it's all automated, and I can just retrieve that preset at any time. Having introduced you to presets, I can now introduce you to the concept of watches. This is a fairly recent Orphonic feature, and it saves me a lot of time. The way this works is that you can specify a folder you want Orphonic to monitor, and potentially a naming convention for files that go into that folder, or you can just have Orphonic look for anything that is audio that goes into that folder. When it does, it can execute a preset. Now, bear in mind that a preset has a range of services. So the upshot of this is that I've got Mosin at large set up so that when I copy a file into a folder on OneDrive, it automatically runs the automated MALP preset and puts a file in Dropbox for me, and it's done. So when my Mosin at large episode is ready to go, I just copy it into the Orphonic folder on OneDrive and within a few minutes I will get the process version back in Dropbox ready for me to use. It is really slick. Let's explore how this works. I'm back on the Orphonic homepage. Links list dialog. And we'll find Watches. Watches. I'll press enter. Orphonic watch folders. Orphonic watch folders. One heading and 55 links. Heading level two. Orphonic watch folders create a new watch folder. Link. Link new watch. A link watch folder allows to automatically start productions using a link preset. Whenever new files appear on the selected link external service. List of one items. Link Mosin at large episode. Let's have a look at the Mosin at large episode watch that we've got set up. List of one item. Link Mosin at large episode. I'll press enter. Orphonic watch folders. List. With one items, Mosin at large episode active link. Mosin and now let's explore this. We'll go to the first heading on the page. Edit watch folder heading level 2. A. Link watch folder allows to automatically start productions using a link preset. Whenever new files appear on the selected link external service, group start watch folder name. Display name star. Required edit Mosin at large episode. Active. Checkbox checked. You can disable this whenever you want. Group end watch folder name. Group start service and preset. Service account star. Collapsed required combo box one drive. Jonathan Mozen. 
I've got my OneDrive set up to do this, and you can add a range of services. So if you want, you could set up an FTP folder. If you have access to an FTP server, we'll have a look at that in just a moment. Preset star. Link edit. Right parent. Collapsed required combo box automated MALP. Now, the reason why I have one called automated MALP is that if you don't complete metadata or file name information in the preset, then you can manually add it. So I just make sure that when I supply a FLAC or a WAV file to Orphonic, my file name is the file name that I want at the other end, and it will just spit it out with an MP3 extension. File name filter optional. Edit star all files. Now, what I could do is set up a file naming convention so that this preset only acts on files that begin with MALP, let's say, which is the way that I name the Mosin at Large podcast files. That way, you can copy files into a single source but have different presets run on them based on the file naming conventions. Group in service and preset. Save watch button. And that's all there is to it. You save the watch and you're done. If you want to explore the services that Orphonic supports, just go to the services page. You'll see a lot of the regular cloud services such as Google Drive, OneDrive, Dropbox, a range of others. No iCloud Drive, though, at this point. SFTP, Amazon S3. You can also publish directly to services with your output file, such as Libsyn and Buzzsprout and a few other podcast hosts. Sadly, not Pinecast at this stage, which is widely used in the blind community, but there are quite a few there. So you can explore that services page and add to your account the services that make sense for you to use. There are also those speech recognition services there. To conclude our look at Orphonic, we're going to go back to the new production page. And the reason for that is that there's been quite a gap between when I started producing this demonstration and when I'm finishing it. I began during my long summer break in January of 2023, so I could give it a lot of concentrated time. And as I conclude this demonstration, it is now March in 2023. And one of the reasons why I didn't complete the demo is I found an accessibility issue on the Orphonic page. It turns out there's a whole bunch of features that I didn't actually know existed. I suppose intellectually I did because I've seen the blog posts about it and I wondered, do I not have the right access? What's going on here? It turns out there was an accessibility issue with some of the checkboxes. These things can happen by accident, and you can really judge a company's commitment to accessibility by how they respond when they learn of an issue like this. And Georg was very concerned. He prioritized it. We had a couple of iterations of the fix, and now the fix is working really well with all screen readers. In the process of rendering this fix that unlocks a whole lot of other options in the production, we've also got those two unlabeled checkboxes labeled in the output file section. So for the record, and you will see this when you play with Orphonic, the first checkbox renders the file to mono if you want to do that. And the second checkbox is pretty nifty because it will split chapters into separate files. So if you want to create a playlist of files, you can simply put bookmarks in the right place and then it will split the audio files into separate chapters, one audio file per chapter. That's another nice feature of Orphonic. But to wrap up, if you really want to get geeky, if you're the kind of person who thinks, I like all that Orphonic does, but I want it to be more punchy, or I want it to do certain things, 
or I want to be on the cutting edge and I want to test some of the experimental things that Orphonic is working on, you will be interested in this advanced checkbox. So I'm going to use the letter X, which in JAWS will navigate me to checkboxes. Audio algorithms group. Advanced parameters checkbox not checked. Now that wasn't accessible before, but it is now, and so I'll check this. Orphonic production. Advanced parameters checkbox checked. That has unlocked a lot of features that we didn't have before. It has made the user interface more complex, though. With complexity, you also have increased chance to mess it up. So if you don't know what you're doing or you're happy with the way that Orphonic sounds by default, there's no need to have a play with this. If you are the kind of person that likes things just so, knock yourself out, as they say in New York. So I'm going to down arrow. Adaptive leveler checkbox checked. With this checkbox checked, we now have another combo box that wasn't there before. Mode. Combo box collapse default leveler. I'll turn forms mode on and we'll see what the other options are. Audio algorithms. Mode. Combo box checked. Default leveler. Mode. Combo box. Default leveler. I'll down arrow. Separate music speech params. Broadcast mode. Now, broadcast mode sounds intriguing to many of us, I'm sure, and there are a number of parameters here that satisfy various regulatory and technical requirements. I don't claim to understand all of this. I'm quite happy to admit that. I will press the tab key, though, now that broadcast mode is selected. Max loudness range combo box. Auto. Now, there are various parameters you can adjust here. 3LU. 4LU. 5LU. 6LU. And all the way to... 20LU. So we'll set it to auto. Auto. And I'll press tab. Max short-term loudness combo box. Auto. Plus 3LURL. Plus 4LURL. Plus 5LURL. Auto. So this is short-term loudness if I tab. Max momentary loudness combo box. Auto. Then we've got momentary loudness. Compressor combo box. Auto. And the compressor is currently set to auto, so you'll get your classic default orphonic sound. But if you want, you can down arrow. Off. Soft medium, hard. So you can turn the compressor off if you like and leave everything else on or you can go for much harder compression which will give you a more punchy kind of sound. Auto. I'll leave it at auto. Music gain combo box, 0 dB. So it can adjust music gain separately. I guess its AI is able to detect what is music. Loudness normalization checkbox checked. Now we're on to the next set of parameters. This involves loudness normalization. Loudness target combo box, minus 16 Luffs podcasts and mobile. So we're used to that one, but now when I press tab with advanced parameters checked, we've got this new combo box. Maximum peak level combo box, auto. We can go from auto and then 0 dBTP. All the way to minus 6 dBTP. So I'll set it back to auto. Auto. And press tab. Dual mono checkbox not checked. Normalization method combo box, program loudness. You can choose program loudness, which is what I believe Orphonic usually uses, or you can go to dialogue loudness. Now I'll press tab. Filtering checkbox checked. And we've got filtering now. Filtering method combo box. Adaptive high pass filtering. Now this is something that I have been experimenting with on Mosin at Large. And if you are a member of the Blind Podmaker group, and if you're not and you'd like to discuss Orphonic or anything else relating to blind people creating podcasts, you are welcome to subscribe by sending a blank email to creators-subscribe at theblindpodmaker.com. That's creators-subscribe at theblindpodmaker.com. You may recall that I was playing samples of this 
to the blind podmaker community to see what people thought. And reaction was mixed. And when I started changing this on Mosin at large, reaction there was also mixed. So the first one we have... Adaptive high-pass filtering. ...is the adaptive high-pass filtering. And that's the default. That's the way that Orphonic has always worked. But then we also now have... Voice Auto EQ. Voice Auto EQ. And as I put this podcast together in March of 2023, this is still a work in progress. They are still tweaking this. But the objective here is that it analyzes people's voices. It puts them through a deesser. Some people like the effect of putting podcasts through a deesser, and other people don't. They think it sounds dull. And especially for some with hearing impairments, it can actually affect intelligibility when podcasters are put through a DSA, but it is very common for professional podcasters to use DSs. And then it also seeks to equalize each voice. It essentially builds a profile of each voice that it finds in your audio, and it tries to keep those voices straight and make them sound quite similar. Now, where this is quite striking is if you have somebody coming in, say, on a cheapy microphone headset, and I mean, it's quite a stark contrast because you're in front of your nice podcast, broadcast quality mic, and they're coming in on this little headset, and it can be quite jarring for the audience. If you turn this feature on, you will notice a difference, particularly in that kind of scenario where one person has a less optimal mic than someone else. It does try and even people out at the expense, possibly, of the whole DSA thing and equalizing everybody and the Heil PR40, for example, which is what I'm talking with. I think it's quite a bright microphone and definitely using this feature dulls it a little bit. In some people's ears, it actually makes it sound better because it's more consistent with the way a lot of other microphones and podcasts sound. But if people have become used to your sound, you may get complaints. So have a play with this. And of course, Orphonic is tweaking this all the time because this feature is under development. I'll give you a short sample of this. This is me interviewing somebody with a microphone headset. First, let's hear the sample with Orphonic's default processing. What do you think it is about the stream that has made it so popular, Matthew? I really think it's the ease of use and the fact that it's a purely tactile interface. So especially for people who perhaps lost vision uh, later in life and have a hard time adapting to a smartphone and touchscreens, it is a device that's easy to pick up and that where the user interface is purely designed for blind people. And I'm going to say also by blind people because we have several of our employees who work on a project that are themselves blind or low vision and use the product on a daily basis. And here's that same audio processed by Orphonic, but this time with voice auto EQ enabled. What do you think it is about the stream that has made it so popular, Matthew? I really think it's the ease of use and the fact that it's a purely tactile interface. So especially for people who perhaps lost vision uh, later in life and have a hard time adapting to a smartphone and touchscreens, it is a device that's easy to pick up and that where the user interface is purely designed for blind people. And I'm going to say also by blind people because we have several of our employees who work on a project that are themselves blind or low vision and use the product on a daily basis. Noise and harm reduction checkbox not checked. Let's check that. Checked. And see if there's anything new here. Denoising method combo box. Classic. Remove static noises only. So we've got some new features here. If we down arrow. Dynamic. Keep speech and music. Remove everything else. Speech isolation. Keep speech. Remove everything else. 
This is a phenomenal tool. If you've got a recording with a lot of fan noise in the background, things going on, and you just need to clean it up, if you can create a multi-track environment and just put your guest, maybe, who's coming in on voice over IP with all sorts of fan noise and stuff in the background, you'll be amazed at how you can clean the recording up. So there's a lot to play with, and there's a lot that you can get wrong, and the audio may not sound how you want. But again, this is my final opportunity to emphasize that once you've got your raw file up there, as long as you don't change the raw file, you can play with this as much as you want. You can spend all day creating different versions, tweaking it so that you get it just so for the sound that you like with all these advanced parameters. When you've got the magic formula, save that thing as a preset and then you can pull it up anytime and that will be your trademark custom sound for your equipment and the way you want your audio to sound. I can't speak highly enough of Wolfonic, not just as a service, but in terms of its customer service, its accessibility, it's a very powerful tool. You can find it on the web by going to orphonic.com, that's A-U-P-H-O-N-I-C dot com. And if you want to discuss it, a reminder that you can subscribe to the Blind Podmaker list, and you can join it by sending a blank email to creators-subscribe at theblindpodmaker.com. Hope you've enjoyed this demonstration of Orphonic and that it helps you to produce great quality audio.